Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. somewhat live on the Believe in Monsters podcast. We are in the studio right now, and we have some very special guests. Our man Joe Gaither is out on scouting assignment this week, so hopefully he can uh, bring us back some some good news on some of the players next week that the Bears might draft. Uh, i got my right-hand with, man with me, Chris. You can follow him at ChiBears1985. And we have the self-proclaimed NWO with us here on the Believe in Monsters podcast. Uh, they might be your... your uh, mortal nemesis but we we figured we would have them on today to uh let them speak their mind and uh have a nice conversation with them so we have barack thomas you can follow him on twitter at soliman s-u-l-l-e-y-m-o-n uh you can follow our friend michael gus he's been on the show before at michael gus 57 and uh we have brand new to the show today we have daryl conrad you can follow him on twitter at daryl conrad that's two r's uh, Sully, I'm going to start with you. How you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Well, I'm great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Like I'm I'm Jack. I'm really I'm, I'm I can't wait to talk Bears football. I even wore my uh, my Mitch Trubisky <laughs> shirt. So don't confuse me for a for a truther, but I do have a Mitch Trubisky shirt. Oh well, Joe would love that. Um, Chris, how are you <laughs> doing tonight? Living the dream. Looking, looking forward to talking to these guys. Uh, it's always fun to meet people that you interact with on Twitter. Uh, like you said, we've had Gus on uh, a few times, uh, gotten his perspective on offensive line and schemes and fits and all that fun stuff. Scheme is the uh, hot button word of the off season. So uh, looking forward <laughs> to seeing how everybody fits in the scheme that we here have here on uh, BIM pod. Uh, Daryl, how are you tonight, man? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to get to talk a bit. And, uh, you know, it seems we go through like buzzwords every two weeks. About a month ago, it was build through the draft. And uh, we fought about that for about two weeks. And now it's scheme fit. And I'm just wondering what other cliches we're going to kind of run into. Uh, I, I At some point before the draft at the rate we're going, we're going to be on to run the ball. Um <laughs> But you know, or get off the bus running. One get of those off things. The bus running. Yeah. No. Gonna, I almost said it. We're gonna have to go back and like review Lovey press conferences for all of his football cliches that we can then re-debate. Well, we got we gotta fit we gotta fit synergy in there somewhere. Oh yeah. Phil. Who doesn't love Phil? It's gonna be good times. <laughs> yeah. Michael and Mr. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. Now, someone needs to help me out and remind me which member of the NWO am I? I, I forgot my assignment here. Oh, you're Hogan. <laughs> okay. All right. Just I had to clear that up. I wanted to see where I fit in the big team. Uh, yeah. So, no, yeah. good to be back, guys. Thank you so much for having me back. I always have a blast, you know, coming out here with you guys uh, and excited to, you know, give it a give it another go. Can I just jump in and say I'm really thankful to whoever's burner account that was that grouped us all together on that tweet and really set this off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, right. be, be careful what you wish for. Wait, so there was there was a tweet before I missed this. There was a tweet so before there, all, there was a, all you guys. Oh, there was a tweet that called out all of us for being the uh, most negative blank blank blanks on Bears Twitter, and it grouped like all eight of us, nine of us together, and then other people wanted to join. 
that got left off the initial tweet. <laughs> so then we had to like expand it to like second and third generation NWO people oh to fit God. in the people that we regularly interact with. But somebody's oh like God. five five follower account got us all together. For no reason, mind you. I mean, like I just logged on to Twitter, I think. For out the of the blue. Totally out of the blue. Just saw this. And then yeah. the next thing I know, there was like applications to join. It was. Oh, it was yeah. Like, in all seriousness, Soli, I'm going to start with you, man. I mean, I think people on Twitter love, you know, they're like, this guy just, he wants great offense. He wants all the linemen. He wants the best linemen. He won't shut up until they get linemen. I mean, how do you, I, I'm with you, build through the trenches, but like, just just kind of flesh that out for us. And, um, you know, what do you think so far about the, uh, you know, lack of additions this offseason um, by Ryan Poles? Well, I, I think that uh, I, I'm not really sure what to think of polls yet. People think that I'm a polls hater, but I'm not really sure what to think. I think he's made some really good he's made some really good acquisitions. He that trade I thought was was inspired. Really, I mean, he set that up, you know, made it. So he he's got something going for him. But I just it's inexplicable, you know, how he's basically ignored the trenches like both sides of the line except for that first day of free agency last year when he tried to when he tried to sign Ogunjobi right or he signed Ogunjobi and then had to had to um nix that but after that I mean he's just he's just been going you know bits and pieces here and there like he's smarter than everybody and you know it's I, I don't like that um and I mean, I like the Nate Davis signing. I thought that's good. I thought that was a good signing. However, he's still got some pace. You know, people people said that he's tearing this stuff down. He's tearing the Bears down. He didn't really tear the offensive line down, really. I mean, it, there's still three pace era starters on. I mean, God love Tevin. I mean, that's a uh, I I love him on the line, but he's still a pace era uh, player. So you know. Is Poles really this offensive line guru that we thought he was coming in? I was jacked for him to come in. I'm like, this guy's going to build a wall, you know, around Fields. Fields is going to learn where he needs to go with the ball. He's going to he's going to learn to see what he needs to see, and and go from there. And you know, it's just going to be it's just going to be exponential development. It didn't happen, and it doesn't look like it's happening this year either. Um, you know. And he did try to sign McGlinchey, but uh, it didn't seem like it was, who knows what it would have taken to sign him. Maybe another, you know, million AAV, uh, but he didn't get it done. Uh, and Sean Payton came in. Sean Payton came in and signed Powers McGlinchey, like, right away. He, he was like, screw this. We're, you know, Russ isn't going to get sacked 55 times this year. Uh, but Poles, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. It's uh, you know, McGlinchey might not be the best pass protector in the world, but he's, I would say he's solid. He, you know, he's a, he's a solid player um, that can, that's decent in run blocking. And, you know, Daryl and, and Michael would know better than me how, how he grades out as a pass blocker, but it doesn't seem like he was that bad um, compared to what we had. Uh, and when you don't have anything and you don't have, when you don't have anything at that tackle position, uh, you know, and you, you can't get anything. Sometimes you have to overpay, right? And and nobody nobody wanted to admit that that's kind of what we had to do. I mean, we had the money to overpay. I'm, I'm not saying 
go crazy with the overpayment, but sometimes you got to overpay for, you know, things that you need. So that's kind of my position. Can I jump in on the O-line for one second? So, you know, there's the, the, uh, the offensive line and the most, or the, the position that it has the most in common with to me is, is defensive back. And people always look at me like, you're crazy because you have the humongous fat guys like myself and the little speedy corners. What do they have in common? Well, here's what they have in common. One, you're going backwards for over half your job against the best athletes on the other team, right? The defensive linemen and the receivers are the best guys, and you got to go backwards against them. Not an easy gig. Very few people can do it. And two, you are only as good as your weakest guy at those spots, right? If you have one good D lineman, he can wreck the an entire offensive play. The other three D linemen could fall flat on their face. That one D lineman is going to wreck the play. We've seen it with Khalil Mack and other guys who played for the Bears. On the offensive line, it's the exact opposite. If you have one guy who can't play, he's going to ruin the whole play. Same thing at DB. You could have four O-linemen execute perfect blocks. One guy whiffs, plays over, right? At DB, you could have four guys in perfect coverage. One guy slips, touchdown, right? And my problem with the offensive line is our weakest guy is weak and or unknown. We have a question mark at left tackle as much as everyone loved Braxton. I mean, he's got pass blocking issues that are deal breakers long-term. Nate Davis, solid, great. So we got a question mark, solid, question mark at center. I, I mean, Cody Whitehair hasn't been good, you know, in four years. Um, and last time he played center, he totally forgot how to snap the ball. Tevin, <laughs> Tevin solid. Didn't he, have to, didn't he have to hold the ball like Yes, I mean, we, we like went sideways. We went, yeah. we went to the full center, you know, I don't even know what to call it. Like we were, we were going to the high school two hand on the ball snapping at one point and right like tackle. We've snapping. got, we've got absolutely nothing. We have one NFL tackle on this team and he's a question mark, right? So our, the floor for this O-line is still super low, right? Until I see the ninth pick on an offensive tackle and another center added and probably another tackle added just in case we got to pull the cord on Braxton halfway through the season. I mean, the floor is so low. And if you're on the O-line, if you're as good as your weakest guy, holy, like you can't, you can't roll out what we did last year when we're rolling out Alex Leatherwood (laughs) under any circumstance. I wouldn't let Alex Weatherwood guard my car, let alone Justin Fields. <laughs> right? Like, he looked like he didn't know how to play football. Like, it was, like... It wasn't know, like, a good proposition. Wasn't he going up against Hassan Reddick, too? Yes. Wasn't that... Guys, we finally, <laughs> we finally may have found a real quarterback. We, like, I think we have found a real quarterback. And last year, we had Alex Leatherwood, Sam Mustafer, Lucas Patrick, all standing in front of him. That's, like, that's just not not i don't know what to say like i'm at a loss for words like these are these are below low level offensive linemen standing in front of the most important guy the franchise has seen in forever in my lifetime forever it's forever i mean we're never gonna have we've never seen a quarterback that looks like this and i i would argue that he he's potentially more important than than walter uh was um i i mean that you could go down that rabbit hole but like 
he's going to be, I mean, he gets the ball on every, every snap. He's, he is the jewel of the franchise and he's going to take this team to wherever it needs to go. Um, and we, but we need to get him there. And how do we get him there? I, I, like Sam Mustafer should be handing Justin Fields something to get autographed, not snapping him a ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, and God, give him, a sidearm, give him a sidearm and let him be the bodyguard. Yes. Off the field, like, you know? Great for Sam that he grinded out that many games. And that's like, like good for him on a personal level. Like, I'm not, but like, he should be at training camp handing him a hat, not snapping him a ball with Dexter Lawrence over top of him. Yeah, that was not good. How many straight starts did Mustafer have? I mean, I think, he, I think he hit 40 career starts for the Bears. Like, what are we doing? 40 <laughs> That's starts. That's not possible. For real? Yeah. I think it was yeah, two he, seasons I, and half the one before. I was going to say, he was hanging around forever, and he was, like, always on the field. So, that was, yeah. I agree with and you there. Watch Chris. him on plays. Watch him on like highlights for Justin or or highlights for somebody else. Oh, he looks lost. Uh, he looks completely lost. Like he doesn't know his assignment. He runs around, doesn't touch anybody, or falls down. Unbidden. Like I get that he can't sustain a block against people much bigger than him. He's not very strong, but like know your assignment, bro. There's plenty of undersized centers out there that at least get in the way of people. You know. Yeah. Uh, and guys, I'm 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 frustrated as well that it it doesn't look good right now but i i have to hope like you know like brock mentioned you know he uh polls is a, a former offensive lineman ian cunningham has built good offensive lines in the past i have to hope that there's still a plan somewhere some somehow some way uh if it's you know a tackle at nine and and you know i think there's some good later round projects uh coming in this draft that that could be an option and there's probably going to be some veteran cuts like there were last year that could, you know, get us to next year. But I really do feel like polls is just trying to replenish the cupboard on draft picks because we haven't had any in the last four years. You know, we haven't had first round picks or second round picks or thir third round. We haven't had a third round pick in forever. I think Velas was the first third round pick we've had in like seven years. Oh, My question is, do you, deserve, do you deserve third round picks when you spend them on bad punt returners? He's a he's a great kick returner. He didn't return punts in college. Okay. He's a horrible punt returner. I think Vilas gets a bad rap, and I think he wasn't used to his full. I think there is a way to use Vilas. He had a couple of good offense. games and he looked good at the end of the year. So yeah, well, right. I, it's not the it's not the complete waste of you know, it's not uh it's not Jonathan Bullard or uh what was that? That was the guy I was high on. I was John high Michael on that guy, Michael Oakwell was one of my favorites. I don't think he's ever even played never played on the field. Who's the dude that jumped out of the pool? That was another bad one. Oh, Jerron <laughs> Gilbert. Jerron Gilbert. Gilbert. That's a good one. That's a good one. Man, then when he Brandon Harden. Oh, yeah, Brandon Harden, Joaquin Harden. Iglesias. We had a run of third-round picks who didn't even get on. Like, didn't even play. Didn't have jerseys. Yeah, that was an Iglesias amazing... didn't play. Harden didn't play. Harden ran like Harden was like the the workout warrior. He was like the yeah. I don't know if it was the combine, but he ran like a four three. Uh, I think he, he, like, I don't think he was even invited to the combine. Yeah, <laughs> we so really. My, my favorite thing that 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 Daryl said in that you know cornerbacks versus uh, O lineman, it, it's a good call out. It's a, it's I, I like the comparison, uh, you know, because like thinking about who opponents picked on in the secondary, 
made me think like you're missing B Shulks to defend his boy Kendall Door because that was <laughs> everybody's target last year. So we got a bunch of Vildors on the line. That's that's not going to work, right? So I do hope that there's a plan. Um, and McGlinchey, like uh, I think I don't know if you guys heard the Hogan Johns interview with with Brad Spielberger where he said that the McGlinchey contract is garbage and you know it's, it's not going to look good in a couple of years which i get you know we do have to overpay but we don't have to like make a mockery of ourselves doing it at the same time uh, yeah, I, I don't know i think you could probably i mean what what's the guaranteed money in that deal and how many how many years does that cover basically like could you draft somebody and develop somebody behind mcglinchy uh and replace mcglinchy if he's subpar um and get out of that contract i mean a year like, wasn't, like 50, wasn't like 50 guaranteed i, I think remember. it was the, um, okay. the mcglinchy like okay you miss you, you don't want to go too high for mcglinchy i'm torn on that you know like like rock saying you do want to get something in there but okay you don't you don't want to spend that money but like the pivot is to nothing and everyone right. tells you wait till after the draft wait till this wait till this wait till this well we waited all last off season for competent yeah. lineman to be added and we signed yeah. riley reef to be a turnstile for seven and a half million right like you 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 waiting like o-lines men are are the league doesn't have enough of them i don't know if you get benefit there's a benefit from waiting right like if you added cam fleming to this team tomorrow like at least we would know we would get like professional right tackle play like a guy would Jacksonville be, today by the way yeah i mean you would get oh. you could tell me or like there's a few guys isaiah win george family like, these are not great football players they're not long-term guys but they're also not alex leatherwood you know what i mean like and i think it's dangerous to assume even if you pick a tackle at nine because the guys are probably looking at are paris and broderick and both of those guys are gonna have a transition period I, I think, think they're me, looking at Skaronsky. I think they're looking well, at Skaronsky. There's a guy. There's he's a, a guy. Blue chip. He's a legit blue yeah. chip. He, player. he probably starts week one and you got no problems because his technique is like, you know, watching a coaching tape. Right. But if you, if you're going upside, which they seem to like, and I'm, and Skaronsky's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But like the Paris and Broderick look like they were built in a lab by a bunch of O line coaches. Like, you know, if we go with them, well, I mean, are you sure? Are we sure they're going to be ready week one, and are, like at a, 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 a solid level of pass protection? Are we sure? And if we're not, then it would be nice to maybe have a veteran around just in case, right? But we seem to have nothing right now. We have one offensive tackle on the whole team. Yeah. Well, I I, th I think that Skaron if you added Skaronsky to the line th that gives you three above average offensive linemen right no matter what position they're playing there's that's that's you, you got tevin who's above average I i'm going to say nate davis is above average and i'm going to say skaronsky's going to be above average no matter you know what position if you just want good linemen get him on the team for sure and i think he's going to like you said he's going to be a starter week one i think he can start at tackle i'm not the expert that daryl and, and gus are uh, those guys seem to know their own line, uh, but because they probably looks like they might have played it. I don't know. Do you guys play O line? You guys are I'm not saying you guys are pretty big, like pretty. Yeah, but, no, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a failed CFL alignment. Um, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that comes up most mo most of the time when someone we're Twitter debating. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So you played the position, right? So out of very high level. Yeah. Right. What did you did you play for uh, Tressman or did he cut you? I did actually. No way. Uh, <laughs> two thousand seven, I was with the Alouettes, and then two thousand eight, I was back there, and that was Tressman's first year, and his dorm room was right across the hallway from mine. Um, and then I, I ended up getting like picked up off waivers by Winnipeg. So I was in Winnipeg for that season. Uh, but yes, no, I, I met Mark oh, Tressman. Cool. I know Mark Tressman very well. I have seen Mark Tressman half naked. Um, oh, no. I mean, if that, if that, if that gives you any credibility with Bears fans, so, and I, yeah, we, we could fill a whole thing with, with Tressman, but yeah, like, yeah, it's. Like I, I know we just keep going over and over it on Twitter with the offensive line, but like it's been two free agencies and a draft. Like we're into this now, and we're I'm still waiting to have like five good players, above average players, protecting fields. Like it's a, it's been a lot of waiting. Yeah, it, yeah, and I think that's that's our frustration. It's just is the fields element, right? I mean we're just impatient you know and and i mean i don't think we're even impatient i think you were impatient to begin with uh daryl i uh was because i used to go back and forth with you about you know give him some time it's fine and and then when ogan joby got signed you were a little bit i remember you were a little bit uh uh skeptical of that signing like why is he signing this three technique we need to improve the offensive line and i'm like ah you know give it you know give it some time i think you'll be fine and yeah, the other shoe never really dropped for him. And uh, and I was kind of jacked for the for the reef signing. I liked reef, and I like I actually like Schofield too. And I thought Schofield was one of our better guards last year. To to, to be honest, besides Tevin, he was better than Whitehair. I think. I mean, the limited snaps that he got, he was definitely much better than Patrick. Um, well, let me yeah. get let me let me ask you guys this. Um, I mean, do you think that you know Ryan Poles just would you say he almost doesn't feel as attached to fields because it wasn't a guy he drafted and he's kind of just doing this on his own time. I mean, this is something I've thought about and I want to say it's not true, but the way he's kind of treated this situation, I feel like he's almost treating fields like, well, like the guy in Rocky says, if he dies, he dies. Like um, (laughs) he's kind of just built like, I mean, you know, people love to talk about the Eagles, but the, you know, the Eagles entire offensive line was drafted. Right. So you know, does Poles and Cunningham have their own vision of saying, you know, we're going to build this thing literally from the ground up and not, you know, not sign for agents, just draft our own guys and, you know. But then you have to start drafting them. You have to, at right. some point, right, you have right, to start right. drafting, you but, know. But I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm saying, do you think that's, you know, a possibility that he possibly doesn't, you know, not that he doesn't care about fields, but it's not like his guy. So he's kind of just second, you know, he's kind of put off a little bit. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you and then we'll go around the horn here. I don't think he wants to kill Justin Fields, but, um, you know, one of the biggest complaints last year was weapons as well. And they've added two weapons since last year, since middle of last year. I mean, I know the Claypool trade isn't exactly ideal, but there's still, I think he still has some upside and adding, uh, DJ Moore was, was outstanding. So I have, like I said, I have to have hope that there's, there's, there's something coming with the offensive line. Hopefully it's not, you know, next year when we have two firsts or potentially three, if they drop down again, but um, 
I, there's got to be a plan. Cunningham's not going to let this like slide this long for without having a plan. Yeah, I think um, I, I I I agree with you uh, in in a, in a in a respect. I I think that I got to believe that there's a plan. Like he just doesn't ha- not have a plan for offensive line. But you have to wonder what that is. Gus would be a good guy. I don't know where he went, but Gus is the guy that was always saying, you know, Poles isn't committed to Fields. Like I I remember that he was the guy. Poles isn't committed to Fields guy. Um, so I don't know where he went. But if he comes back, you know. Asking Arkansas, that. bad, bad yeah, right? Arkansas I mean, it's probably the, the the you know the um, EMTs probably need the internet for something better than uh, you know, <laughs> Gus's phone calls. Michael also just had a newborn, so he's potentially uh, talking to his oh, significant yeah. other at home or something. For he sure. says he's trying to reconnect. Okay, I, listen, I don't think I think that that polls is is committed to fields, like Chris said. I mean. You go out, you get weapons. He had a perfect opportunity to make a move or do like at one if he wanted to. I think he's fully committed to Fields. What I think is, ha- I, I get that the counter argument to this is there's lots of needs. Like there, it, it, the roster was garbage. It was gutted. There's lots of areas to fill up, well, and he's not, he's not going nuts in ones on the O line. Okay, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but just going off that, do you agree with kind of what he did with tearing this thing down, like to lit- the literal studs, or do you think there were some guys he could have potentially kept to kind of keep things in order so we didn't have to go through last year what we did? The only issue I had with the plan last year, like. I, you could have rolled out there 11 pylons on defense and I would not have cared, right? Like all I cared about was that we didn't batter Justin Fields into the ground right. while we were tanking, which is and what we happened. did is what happened, right? Like we could have improved the offensive line, gutted the defense, rolled out there with lousy weapons and at least not had him killed. Um, but that's not what happened. And, and I, so yeah, to get back to the first thing, like, I think he's committed. I think what we, we might have here is a little bit of O-line hubris. Like if, if you, and, and I'll kick this over to Gus, and it, but if you're on, on, on Twitter for five minutes, people are telling you you can find offensive tackles in round five. <laughs> and then you go and you look at round five for the last three drafts, and there's like <laughs> one competent starting offensive tackle. It's like, oh, you can find, we can find a starting right tackle in round two. Go back and look at the last three drafts of offensive tackles in round two. It is frightening, right. right? They're either kicked inside to guard or they're middling and being replaced. You know, remember Liam Eikenberg? Remember? Oh yeah, Liam. Liam, like, and I was like, "Oh, Tevin was drafted in the second round." Well, they have no interest in playing Tevin at offensive tackle, so I don't know why you think that wins any argument. So my thing is like, I think there just might be a little bit of hubris here, where it's like. We're both O-linemen. We both come from teams who build O-lines, and we can do this without investing premium money or picks. We'll see. Hopefully this year the premium picks come. But we can build this thing with with guys that we deep scout. And I just didn't – I don't think it worked last year. And I, So I'll kick it over to Gus. Yeah, and Michael, just before you cut out, we were talking about, you know, if we think – uh, you know, what Ryan Poles is doing has anything to do with maybe he's not as committed to fields just because it wasn't the guy he drafted or uh, you think he is committed to field. And as Daryl said, maybe he has some O-line hubris where he thinks, you know, his process works of of just shotgunning later round picks and defining starters. But I'll let you take it away. Definitely, definitely. And thank you. And if I restate something that was just said in the last couple of minutes, I, I apologize. We're having 
some technical issues on this end, but it seems to be resolved. Uh, but but yeah, so regarding fields and polls, I, I think it's always been clear that, that their timetables were always, or their timelines, I should say, were, were always mismatched, right? The polls, whether it's his guy, not his guy, I mean, that's fine. That's debatable. You know, he got him as a rookie. That could go either way or after his rookie year. But their timetables were always not in line. And, and the question, you know, coming in was, was how does Polls approach that? You know, if Justin's timeline doesn't line up with a full teardown rebuild, he'll be well into a second deal before that window opens, where Polls probably doesn't want to, and rightfully so, come into a bad situation and try to patchwork it to, you know, pry open a window inside that rookie contract. So I, I think with polls, I think the evidence is pretty clear with polls that it remains to be seen with, with Justin. I, I think polls is still, frankly, evaluating Justin. That's gonna that's gonna continue through this year because he has that luxury of of, of that time allotted to him. As far as the you know how that how that affects the hubris, yeah, I think there there may be an element to that. Um, you know, I, I just I'm not sure. We'll we'll have to kind of see how this draft goes. But certainly there was nothing done, you know, with any urgency to, uh, you know, to, to try to br bridge those gaping holes in front of it. Just a couple more points on the offensive line in general. You, you know, the you can make cases against any individual lineman, right? McGlinchey, they didn't want to, air quotes, overpay. Uh, Brown, uh, we all, do we even have to say it? We all know what the uh, argument against Brown is. He's too uh, fat. Uh, Juwan Taylor, not really sure. We're just going to ignore him. Like that didn't. Um, he went to the champs. He went to the champs. Oh right, 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 right. Yes, yes. Every everyone knows your second contract. You'll leave all kinds of guaranteed money on the table if it. They, they didn't want to. You didn't want to come here. You can't make people come here. No, no. You, you take two. No. Yep. Yep. Definitely. You cannot guarantee him more money to entice him. It's against <laughs> league rules. You know, there's there's you know there's something funny here. I mean. The champs, yeah, cool. They also let Brown go, so right. let's not pat him on the back and then also watch them kick the guy you want to sign out the door at the same time. Plus, didn't they? But they didn't want to sign him, though. Didn't they already sorry, fuck either. this up last time when they brought Brown in to go from right tackle to left tackle, just like they're doing with Taylor now? Are they going to let Juwan go in like four years too? I mean, I hope so. I would take him, but uh... <laughs> it worked out. It worked out for him. I mean, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, just. But... Chris and I were very high on they Taylor have too. Jesus behind the center. I mean, it's like you can't, can't. Yeah. Right. The, the point being, though, but, you can... but but Jesus was unsuccessful in his last Super Bowl, and that was got, because yeah. they didn't have a, they didn't have those players. They didn't have Brown. Wasn't Brown on Brown that team too? Was Brown on that team? I don't think he was. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, he was on his he was on his franchise tag. No, they didn't have Thune, and they didn't have uh, Creed and Creed. But, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, Michael. You can, make, you can make individual arguments against any one of these players in a vacuum. The frustration that you know, and, I, and Brock, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'll speak for the NWO, I guess. The frustration for people that kind of share that sentiment is, it's the end result, right? Sure, I you know I agree with a lot of the you know with the hangups on certain individual people, but then when I look around the room, I mean, let's be real, we. We're having the floor discussion again, just like we were having last year. Uh, we're back to one, right? As it stands right now, and yes, there's still a draft, and he could spend the first five picks on offensive linemen, and that changes the math, absolutely. 
but as we stand again right here we we have one like good bet on the offensive line like you you would go to the table put money down this is going to be an above average starter for the majority of the season and, and that's davis i mean i love tevin jenkins I was more excited with the Tevin Jenkins pick probably than Justin Fields. Like I, that was my guy that year. I wanted him at 20, but, and he's a great player when he's healthy, but even Tev, I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta see him make it through a year, right? We're mm-hmm. one snap away from really being in a spot where, where Davis is the only guy that you can count on. So, you know, to, to kind of sum that point up, it, it's not the individual people. Yes, I agree. Brown, probably there were schematic issues McGlinchey you want to argue that he was overpaid fine Juwan Taylor eh, not really sure we'll move past that but at the end of the day it's the end result is we're looking around we don't have a professional right tackle we have a huge question mark at left tackle no clue what the plan is at center we have a pretty good guard and then another guard who's good as long as his back neck and everything else holds up so I, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a frustration. It's not they didn't sign this player, they didn't sign that player. It's they didn't sign any players. That's right. It's what's the plan? Like, right. okay, you don't like these three guys. What's the plan? Right. And obviously, those three guys were the pretty much the three guys out there, or McCrary or McGrip, whatever his name is. But apparently, he had a heart issue or heart issues. So, uh, if, you know, if that's concerning, you know, beyond. Whatever I, I mean, I'm obviously not an NFL medical staff member, but uh, you know, kind of what Daryl was saying is there's there's it was a complete teardown. There's so many holes to fill. Um, you know, where do you put your eggs? And there's got to be some amount of, of offensive line help coming this year. So I mean, Nate Davis. Hopefully, that's step one into you know a, a draft pick or two or three. Uh, but I, again, I got to think that there's a plan. And I, I mean, I'm not, I fuck around on Twitter. Yeah. And I, I give you guys, I all, I give every one of you shit, but uh, I, I, I don't disagree that I'm, I'm a little concerned, um, but yeah. Like, what do you think Poles thought when he walked away from the table with McGlinchey? Like when he's like, okay, we're out. What do you think? Was he, you think he's like, okay, I got somebody in the draft that I have my, my, you know, my eye on like that's plan b do you think that that that's it i think he i I think think he had to he had to i mean like what what other option if you're not going to sign a guy who can start week one in free agency i have i have to think like in the logical part of my brain i have to think that means (laughs) that i'm gonna that i'm gonna take a tackle high Maybe maybe that doesn't mean nine, and I, I and I know that I get a little too obsessed or focused with taking a tackle at nine, and I like to follow everyone around who follow, says we should take a corner and make fun of them. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. Please keep doing like, that. That has to be your thought process. Like you can't be thinking, oh hum, we're like Alex Leatherwood, Larry Borum competition. Like, there's no way there's any part of his brain where that can be the thought process. Did you see the Bear Lucimo tweet? Who, when he said, like, it basically he was saying, we have two options already on the team for right tackle. And he, and he broke down and he was breaking down the tape. I didn't, I didn't watch it because I, I like him and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to see him like that. But, um, <laughs> well, I you know, know. sorry, Bear Lissima, like, he's going L- to totally block me, but it's okay. Yeah, they, um, to- they told us that they think Larry Borum's a guard. And can Larry Borum stand out at right tackle and not? 
embarrass himself? Yes. If someone mentions Alex Leatherwood to you, you need to have them committed. You have so to. Why have did, them- why, my confusion is why they didn't try Leatherwood at guard because that's all we heard from essentially Raider folks or Raider people is that he's he's probably a better a better guard. I don't think he played a snap at guard for the Bears. I think that that's just like kind of what people say when a tackle fails. Like, oh, we'll try him. Not all back tackles are going to be good guards. And then yeah. Yeah, also, let's address a similar point here. Not all complete shitty guards are going to be a halfway competent center, Lucas Patrick. So it, it just it doesn't always you don't just keep bumping. It them shouldn't go out. that way. That it should go at the least other we way. Didn't draft, go the other it, way, if anything, it would go the other way. That's a at least we didn't draft Leatherwood ahead of Christian Derisaw. Let's just I, let's true. just say that. I I do have to ask you guys this. I mean, I know this is. Um, I know this is kind of a defense for people who are like, you know, there's still players to add. I mean, we've talked about the free agents available. It's not great. What do you guys think about the veteran cut market or if um, what's his name can come make a comeback in the NFL? The dude that was training at Alabama. Like, like well, Michael Luker. Sp- Luker. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Luke. he's even an option? I mean, he, he dropped can, weight. Can I, dro- can I drop our first scheme fit of the evening? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> If Orlando Brown, well, he was. Fit this I, I'm game, just saying. Yeah, I'm saying I, this I, I just because he's slimmed down because he used to be really, really fat, and he looked yeah. much be- in better shape. But he's still oh, yeah, like listen, 330. I'd, I'd kill the, I'd kill the look like that. The, uh, <laughs> the, the vet. Here's my thing with the veteran cut market. It is always the most overrated thing that people talk about because the, and especially on the O line, there are not enough O linemen in the NFL. Right, like teams aren't like, hey, I'm cutting, right. I'm gonna cut I, I, this competent swing tackle. Like it just, it never happens. Alex Leatherwood gets cut. Th- this is more a question about Leo <laughs> Collins or DJ Fluker, and if you think either of them would have a possibility of being Bears. Because oh. do I think they're great? No, not at all. They would definitely probably be more interesting than anyone on the free agent market, though, in my opinion, because I think they both have that weird unknown upside to them. I would take well, Collins. Collins. Yeah, Collins. Uh, yeah, Collins yeah. yes. Fluker, we don't even. He that would be a complete wild card. He wasn't any good before he he you know got washed out of the league, was he? I mean, that was one of the reasons he must. I don't know what happened. Well, he to was, him, but I, he was better he was than hurt. Alex Leatherwood. <laughs> was he okay? <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, we tried the offensive line market that nobody else wanted last year when we completely struck out in free agency, similar to this year. And I'm sorry, this year we did sign Davis, which is much different than Lucas Pet. But yeah, um, outside of that, we tried, you know, we cornered that market that nobody wanted all summer, and it produced Riley Reef, awful Michael Schofield. I, I mean, did he even play other than getting dunked on in a preseason game? Um, and Alex Leatherwood, yeah, he played well. Schofield played, played. Like I said, he was probably a third. I don't know. I think he, but he played better than Lucas Patrick. I will put that yeah, out into the universe. Low bar. Yeah. Um, well, but but still, I mean, the point remains. Like at some point, and a lot of us have been saying this for way more than two years. A lot of this have been saying this for the greater part of a decade now. Like at some point, you you just you have to put real investment in the offensive line. I, I Daryl said it a couple times. It's completely true. There's not enough good offensive linemen. There's not enough competent offensive linemen, let alone good, to go around this league. And at some point, even though it might make our tummies hurt in, in, in the rah-rah crowd, you're going to have to 
pay a little bit more than maybe someone was expecting to get a quality offensive lineman or dare I suggest maybe drafting one in the first round first time since Kyle Long. It just, you know, at some point you, we have to stop scraping the bottom of the dumpster and actually invest some high quality resources into getting some high quality players. I yeah. think, uh, I think kind of the part where I get hung up is as much as anyone, I've always been a huge O-line pro- proponent and you know i've I've always really like the quote-unquote building through the draft or whatever but like you said michael if they're not taking o-line early then it doesn't you're not building an offensive line through the draft if you're never investing an early pick in them but i think something that i've been trying to not really argue against people but trying to say to people is like we have to kind of take it just a step back and try and figure out what the hell polls is doing and then maybe if you can kind of see kind of where his thought process is you'll perhaps be less mad about the moves even though it doesn't make the team better like the McGlinchey for example I think is is an interesting case because yes we over quote unquote overpaying for him would have made the offensive line better but I think Poles is looking at that contract like you know a five-year deal at that guaranteed money two years down the line when you have to pay fields that's just going to be wasted cash if you hope to upgrade that position because as good as McGlinchey is he's probably you know a mediocre right tackle all things considered but like you said you kind of have to turn around and then invest that top pick in 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 the draft and I think the area where you know if this is the the way polls is going to go we kind of have to hold his feet to the fire with if your draft picks suck then we're gonna you know then you're done like that's that's how you're building this team that's how we're holding you accountable you have to get it right and uh it's definitely a scary position the Bears are in because if he doesn't get you know, at least two really good starters in the in his first four picks, then we have a major issue. Oh, I'd that's say kind he needs of... to get four. I, th- I think he needs to get four solid well, starters. I mean, two well, really good. I, when I say, yeah, I'm saying two, like, really good okay. starters where you could trust him kind of immediately. But um, for me, for yeah, me, there's just no excuse at this point. Like, if we go into the season and the offensive line is bad again, like, there's just no excuse for me now. You've had a ton of draft picks. You've got a ton, you had a ton of money. Like last year, okay, I get it. Your hands were tied a bit. You know, you didn't want to borrow from the future. You had the DBs you liked fall. Okay, whatever. But after this offseason, if we're still rolling out a below-average offensive line with no quality depth, I'm going to have a real problem with that. Because you've had right. you had everything sitting there, and last season, okay, maybe you couldn't make all the choices you want. This offseason, you made the choices. So if you didn't choose not to sign a tackle, and then you choose to take Jackson, you know, JSN at nine, and push <laughs> offensive tackle down to 61 or 64 or later on, that's on you, man. That is 100% on you. You that's your choice, and I think at that point we should have the freedom to rip rip him without you know his his supporters riding in uh, to take our heads off. Because he listen, he's had he has everything available to him this offseason. He had more resources than any GM, and to this point, he's chosen to add one offensive lineman. One, and I listen. I love the signing really really solid player and most of all super durable knock on wood i mean but like you've had you had everything you, you know available to you and it goes think, to uh yeah. it goes back to the priority uh point that, that was talked about you know so much last year again as it 
you know, goes back to Justin Fields. And I, I think Justin Fields, and you guys hop in if I'm incorrectly, you know, characterizing this, but I, I think Justin Fields is the root of a lot of this frustration because, I mean, his development, let alone rookie contract, but more importantly, his development's a ticking clock. I get that, you know, this is a three-win team. The roster was horrible. Understand all of the problems and that, you know, fine. I'll grant the premises that this, you know, this isn't a one-year rebuild even to, you know, call it a divisional roster. Absolutely. But, uh, again, it goes to the priority and not putting that priority and helping Justin Fields develop. If you told me, hey, look, man, it's just more than a more one-year, two-year rebuild, and we're just going to have to go into the year with Jack Sanborn and some other day two pick at inside backer. Well, okay, fine. You know what? That's okay. I get that. Hey, hey, man, we got to roll the dice here on a box safety and a nickel corner and a halfback. Okay, get that. But to, to, to go into the draft, almost needing to take a tackle at nine, I just, I don't, I don't see how you can't at this point. I don't see how you can't risk take that risk of, of not having someone that can beat out Larry Borum, and that's what you're looking at if you you kick that to the sixties. I think there's a, I think that there's a path to improving the line, but it's going to include one of those or not both of those draft picks next year. Yeah, it, it's going to um, take the first and second. Know. If you could take Skaronsky, if you could take Skaronsky, like I, I'm really kind of becoming a believer in him. You add him, that's another above average lineman, sure thing. I'm pretty sure. And and that uh, would fit with their philosophy too of taking, you know, what they call blue chip prospects. Because right. I know Chris, I know obviously I, you're not a fan of taking a guard that early, but again, in my opinion, I think if you're taking he doesn't, fit the profile. he doesn't fit the profile. He doesn't. I think he can play tackle. I think like, that's the I, thing. I've argued like, with they people. love they they said long and strong all off season. Skaronsky's got, but, the, but no on defense, on defense, on defense, not well, not not on offense. I think that that's different. Like when they're talking about defense, or t- I think they're going to take a huge look at at, at Gervin Dexter. Like I think that that's the type of of, well, of length that they're that to, they're looking for, but. Um, I, I think that Alter Fashanu, uh, or however you pronounce yeah. his name, next yeah. year he would have been the is... first tackle this year if he he should have opted in. I mean, he probably would have been a oh yeah top that pick, that, but... that nil money really screwed the Bears in that situation. Yeah, well, I mean, good for him. He, he's getting his masters or whatever, and I guess that's priority for him. So Skaronsky is a super interesting one to me because oh my goodness, his his tape like watching him play is incredible. I mean, the power, the 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 technique i mean he's he's just so clean right I yeah. just, and that's that's the thing that's like hard like you can't you don't find guys like that coming into the oh, nfl that I, I legitimately like think he's gonna be a pro bowl like blue chip o-lineman i'm not sure where i just wish that that god or whoever had granted him two inches <laughs> longer on his or maybe arms. Th- just three quarter, hit, three quarters of an inch. I was going to say, if, if his two inches his is arms a, were thir- two inches is a lot uh, is a lot for if, a lot of things. If his arms were thirty four inches long, I you could just run. I would run that pickup the second it was on the clock. But I think I think Chris makes a good. I, I they seem to just be in love with this idea of athleticism on the O line, which is totally 
cool and they seem to have really strong profiles and as brock said maybe that just applies to defense we'll see we haven't seen them pick up enough o-linemen to profile what they're looking for i know everyone i mean orlando brown's too fat to play in the wide zone scheme okay fine <laughs> uh i like good pass protectors that's why i argued for orlando brown i'm a pro, i'm pro pass protection uh the 30 percent of our plays that are outside zone i'll live with a tackle who can't quite reach the d end as, as often um but like i, I don't know I, i'm i i can see him if, if we don't take a tackle at nine then we're throwing one of those second round picks at tackle and then we've got two question marks at, at offensive tackle and then who's the third offensive tackle because one of those guys might not be good or it's the nfl one of them might get injured like we are we are a twisted ankle away for even if we draft a guy at 53 we're a twisted ankle away from like being right back in the larry borum alex leatherwood experience <laughs> See, like, I'm fine with Borum as a as a as depth, right? I think I think he's I, I don't think he's a bad depth, uh, you know, as a what fourth tackle maybe. That sounds like I mean? a Disney ride or something. <laughs> <laughs> the Larry Borum experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a Lord of the Rings. It's like a Lord of the Rings type <laughs> thing, you know? Really, Borum. Yeah. They don't think um, it's nine. I think legitimately and some people are going to disagree but they do that they a tackle is not called at nine or shortly after on some sort of short trade down i i think it's time to really start talking about tevin jenkins being your right tackle i, I don't see i've i, I thought I, about that before i gonna go i don't really know if they gave him a strong shot there honestly right like the the last regime kind of moved him around and then he got hurt i don't I think how they feel right about it. And, and here's the thing Here's the thing with Tevin Jenkins for me, and this this may come off as controversial. Um, I don't even think I've thrown this out into the tw Twitter wilderness yet, but I'm not convinced that Tevin Jenkins at right guard was ever a plan as much as they stumbled backwards into something that hath worked. I think Tevin Jenkins was absolutely on his way out of here until it became apparent that they had a flat-out emergency at right guard, and they decided to shove him in there and hope for the best. And I, I mean, they, they got good. so. I, we I, all I, knew he was going to be good. We all knew he was going to be good. How did? How could they not know? That's the you know. I just I. am They were house cleaning, and I think for who knows what it was for whatever reason, he was he was on the chopping block. I mean, there was there was a lot of smoke, man. You didn't like, read the news, dude. You didn't read the sports mockery. Chris Morgan told me he had man boobs. I didn't catch that today, so that's my fault for, for not diving into that Bible of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, Larry is a genius. If they move Tevin Jenkins to right, back to right tackle, last offseason's little pissing match they had with the oh, yeah. trade and then him taking the week off and then, you know, sorting it. Like, the drama that was Tevin Jenkins in Camp 2, I mean, it would just be hilarious to me if that they were all of a sudden decide, like, 
all right, dude, we couldn't fix this again. You're back to right tackle. Like they were trolling him. They were trolling oh, him all they year be- last year. They're like, oh, all right, you're the starter. Oh wait, Patrick's gonna come in and and and, and you're gonna rotate with him. Oh, that was that was the best. I mean, they tried uh, to get oh, rid. I mean, doing the bad high school coach rotate your offensive lineman in the middle of a football <laughs> game. Thing. I mean, seriously, that's where I started to ask questions because I. Yeah. I Oh, dude, I got so many questions about Chris Morgan. Like, they couldn't pick up basic stunts last year. And I'm talking the veteran guys like Cody and Lucas. Like, they couldn't pick up a basic stunt. Like, what are we doing in this O-line room that, like, I get it. You can't win one-on-one. You're not talented. You're not strong enough. You're not big enough. That happens. But being totally befuddled by every blitz and two D linemen just trading places is, like, that's high school-level stuff. And right, he's got man. this rookie. He's got this rookie next to him too, and he should be like, maybe helping or, or teaching this rookie because he's, yeah, and, the, and, he's the and veteran, was, and they're both it, clueless. It was Cody getting dusted on the twist, and I'm like, yeah, it was, it was like yeah. this ba- basic stuff. So like, I I still have major, and I I don't think Gus is in the same boat. Or, I don't know what, what Chris like. It's hard to judge a coach when you give him absolutely nothing to work with. But, like, your nothing can still execute, like, decent scheme fundamentals. Scheme well, I, reference number get two. Get in the way. Get in the I way. Think th- I think that's why I kind of appreciated Luke Getzey more as the year went on, because I think he did kind of a really good job. I mean, obviously, he had Justin Fields, but I think he did a really good job for what he was given, all things considered. Oh, dude, he, but, did, a, uh, he did a phenomenal I, job I, of running the, the training wheels O-line package. Like he yeah, did a great job protecting I mean, those guys. A brilliant job. I think you're absolutely right. And he just, I don't yeah, think like he gets ever it. gets enough credit for, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we go back and, you know, I know there's a lot of revision, revisionist, revisionist, sorry, history. As we get to this point in the off season and the unmitigated disaster of last season starts to distance itself. But I mean, if you'll recall, they were so bad in pass pro that they were electing to run the ball on third and six. Because they, they just, they can't do it. They, they could not traditionally drop without some kind of action in front of them, without some kind of rolling pocket and ability to block seven. They, they, I mean, they were making the conscious choice, and it's hard to argue with this choice. Yep. That they were more likely to convert a third and six by running the ball than just trying some fundamental pass concept. And, and I mean, it worked a lot with like yeah, Fields or whatever. I mean, it worked a decent. Fields amount. is very good on third down. He's a we he's are dangrous on third down. When, can when I he's out there, out? you're like, we're going to get this third down. We're going to get it. Can I put he's a question out to the group? Sure. Is Cole Komet the second best offensive tackle on the Chicago Bears? <laughs> yes. Yes. He might be the first second, best. Second. Like, I was like, gonna say, like why, that, are we, why are we downgrading him? That that because I, I I don't want the Braxton haters to chase chase me through the internet tonight or the Braxton like love lovers, like, lovers. but like Cole commits the second best offensive tackle on our team right now. Like how are at any point during the off season is our tight end. The second, if we started a game tomorrow, I would seriously think about Cole commit at right tackle. Like <laughs> he, he practically played offensive tackle for half the season last year because we could not leave our offensive tackles on their own in pass pro. I mean, he's gotten tons of pass pro reps, you know, and like, I I say that in jest, like people are going to get pissed off about it, but like, there's no point in an off season where Cole Komet should be our second best tackle. Like we should have a professional tackle who can play the spot better than Cole Komet. 
It's true. Amen. I absolutely agree. I'm going to toss this over to Chris. We're about an hour in here, so we'll probably toss you guys another question or two and, and put some closure on this thing. But Chris, what do you what do you got over there? Well, I'm going to switch it up a little bit because we've gone absolutely off on, you know, GNing the offseason. So I think we got Gus's take a little bit last year. So we'll start with 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 Dylan Brock. Uh, what are your thoughts on Eberflus in general? Overall, how he's running it, how he's coaching, the game management, all that stuff. I, I had a I tweet am, earlier. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Daryl. I, I have been awarded by a couple of different people the as the, uh, the most negative Bears fan <laughs> award this week, um, and I take that honor very seriously, and I want them to know that I take it very seriously. I like Flus. Um, I don't, and part of it is the Nagy experience. Nagy was so useless on game day. His teams were undisciplined. They didn't know what was going on. He couldn't work a timeout, penalties out of all of that stuff. Like, like you got, we lived it. Like, there's just sheer game day incompetence. And I think Flus is at least above average because most NFL coaches are, like, I think they're on meth on game day sometimes. <laughs> like, he manages a game pretty well. He manages a team pretty well. Like, they were awful last year, and they held it together, and they still competed and played football and all those things. Like, I like Flus. I, I I can't judge his defense because he was playing with horrific talent. Like, horrific. And, yeah, no, I'm, I am legitimately a Flus fan. And my big worry about him was that when you hire a defensive coordinator, they're often, and this is a Lovey Smith, PTSD after the Nagy PTSD they're often super conservative on game day like obnoxiously and uh, moments in the season where I thought Flus got tight and he was being that that ultra conservative defensive coach but I thought for the most part the most part he was aggressive when it, it made sense to be aggressive and he you know like he wasn't retreating into that you know we'll just play good defense now because probably because he, he couldn't play good defense yeah uh, he didn't he for going forward on fourth down you know aggressively not kicking field goals things like that i thought he was he was solid daryl you lost the most uh negative bears fan for me when you got rid of the candle so oh <laughs> I, promised, I promised i promised if we got a real receiver i can't remember who it was to that the prey for fields would come down <laughs> But who knows? After the draft, it may go right back up. Did you take it down when we acquired Claypool? Uh, no, I took it down for DJ Moore. <laughs> James Claypool, a, little, just a fellow Canadian, Canadian, a fellow Canadian, uh, did not move the needle enough for me. Did not move the needle. Uh, not enough. Brock, what okay. about you? Do you like you like Flus? Ah, uh, Flus. Uh, I I um. I don't know. I'm kind of ambivalent towards him sometimes. I think that mostly he just annoys me because you can because even when he's not working through an acronym, he's 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 working through an acronym. Like you can hear it. Like I'll listen to him talk and I'll be trying to put the first word of every sentence like together to spell something. Like what's he spelling? You know what I mean? Like uh, because that's just how he talks. He talks Da Vinci, every, da Vinci Code every press yeah. conference. <laughs> He breaks everything down like that. I'm like, see, you got the, you got the knee bone. It's connected to the leg bone, and the, you know, and he's he's working through something, and you're like, does he just have a, does he have a process like that for everything that just helps him stay 
on track. I mean, if he does, that's fine. Uh, and I agree with Daryl that that he did seem to ha- keep it together. He didn't do anything stupid like, you know, the, uh, on game day, like the last few coaches have done or just done something completely like, what was that? Um, you know, so he didn't have one of those moments. But I, I want to see more. I, he doesn't move the needle for me. He's not an inspiring coach. He doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I just want more Ditka in my in my in my uh, head coach. I want a little bit more, you know, flair. I guess. I'm generally intrigued to see what he does because, like last year, he was just supervising losing. I mean, it, he was essentially a, a right. A, seven eight pe teacher watching guys flop around a field i mean now the pressure will be on right because the expectation isn't going to be like you know keep the losses not super embarrassing for george and virginia to okay can we actually win a few games in a division that when aaron finally you know switches postal codes will be should be fairly like more open than it has been in the past right like right. we're not su- supervising losing is is not easy right but john fox did it without the team falling apart on him when we were tanking with pace right like john fox was here to supervise losing you know and but couldn't oh, do God, anything but he was it. and but he yeah. couldn't do it he couldn't do anything else Right, he was he supervised right. losing and then couldn't do anything else. And I'll be interested to see if Flus what happens when he gets into games that matter, tight situations. Like, was he being more aggressive last year because it didn't matter at all? Right, like there was nothing on the line when you're trying to lose. I don't know, but I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, which is a bit which is big for me if you follow my Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Well, well, they've lost a lot of games last year uh, because they couldn't because Justin couldn't drop back and throw the ball right uh, in the, in the late in games, like, you know, when, when teams expected them to pass, which was in the last two minutes of the game and they're, they were down, they couldn't do it because the, you know, they would, they would just get rushed to death. Like they couldn't stop the pass rush. So that was, you know, I think that was why uh, they lost a lot of games and maybe that, and, and, I, and I cherish every, every single loss that we had last year. I'm like, Oh man, that hurt. But I'm like, well, it helped us get the first pick. So if we, was... if we didn't lose that game, we wouldn't have got the first pick. So, okay, great. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in summation, Flus was, you know, he was, he was okay. He was, he was, okay. He, he does have to, he does have to in, win this year though. He's going to, and he's going to get have to get pressure with that front with the front four, and that's oh. if you can't get pressure with the front four, you know, if you get ten sacks with your front four and give up fifty eight sacks, that's you know, I, I would think that that would be a priority. And Gus was talking about priorities earlier. What's the priority here? Maybe fix that immediately. Off ball linebacker, obviously. Well, that, this yeah. uh, this brings me this brings yeah, exactly. my final point here. I just, what do you guys think happens on draft day? Not what do you want? What do you think happens? Michael, I'm going to go to you. If you think it's a trade back, give me a trade back and a player you think they'll take. Or if you just think they'll take someone at nine, let's hear it. Lay it on us. Yeah, no, you know what? I do expect them to trade back again. I I think they're going to trade back again to somewhere between 15 and 25. I think it's a good option if you want to, if you like, if you're really like, all right, we're taking a tackle that is kind of the perfect opportunity to do so. Cause I think 
I mean, this is probably going to upset all the people that love JSN, and I personally really like him too, but just say there's a team like the Saints last year who want to move up for, you know, a guy like, like they moved up for Olave. If you can move back and kind of swindle a team into being like, give me, you know, way more than this pick is worth to get your wide receiver one, hell yeah, do it. Sorry, yeah. I'll let you continue. But yeah, the Saints twenty nine forty in their first next year. That would yeah. be perfect. They want to, you know, if they want to move up. I, I didn't mean the Saints specifically, but just like a team. But sorry, sorry. I'd love to get that Steelers pick back. I'd love to get that Claypool <laughs> pick back. Uh, I think that's yeah. long gone. That's another team that doesn't trade. They don't. They don't trade trades that they lose. Well, there's going to be a run on cornerbacks. I think right around where we're picking, and I think one team is going to want to. Maybe I don't know what the Eagles are thinking, but they they might want to jump in front of the Eagles to right. get a corner because I know that corners are really important to the Eagles. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I would I would think that that would be a, a hope um, if if somebody wants to pick up Devin Witherspoon, Witherspoon or uh, you know Joey oh, yeah. Porter. I, Joey Porter might fall uh, a little bit closer to twenty, but I mean that's yeah. that's my hope. Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Continue on. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, my gut tells me that they're going to want to trade back because, I mean, they have a massive void because we traded a first-round pick for Chase Claypool, which, hey, at the time I was a fan of, um, that turned into a first-round pick, and in hindsight, it, looked, it, it feels awful right now. But, you know, that's what happened, and now they have a massive void between pick nine and their next pick. So I just... We don't know much about Ryan Poles and how he operates truthfully. I mean, there's a lot of things thrown out there, you know, from what he said. But, I mean, GMs lie all the time. They're professional liars, and it's good business for them to lie. So we don't have enough sample size to see how he acts, and that's what really matters. I can't imagine, though, with the limited amount that we've seen, that he feels comfortable with – I mean, what it's like a 50-pick – gap uh, essentially between the first and second pick it just it makes too much sense for me to him want, for him to want to bridge that gap despite you know having some pressing needs it'll be appealing at nine so that's what that's what i would expect they trade back i hope my brian Brzee uh dream can, can live on but i gotta say i, am, <laughs> I, I, lo- I love to see him at offensive tackle that's a big man who can move yeah. I thought you were on. Dar- I thought you were on Darnell Wright, guys. Well, so that's the new one now. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, Darnell Wright. He wants I, both. I, I think he, he wants both. He wants both. But Darnell Wright now would be my primary one. The, the reason being is, as much as I love Brzee, and I, if you could restore his knee to full health, and yeah, I, I think he's probably the best player in the draft period. But the fact that we have heard nothing from him after the combine, and I mean nothing, no hype, no anything, it kind of feels to me like maybe that the parts of the combine that we didn't see maybe didn't go so great for Brian. So um, <laughs> he seemed to have yeah, a I good think, like physical. He seemed to have a good physical combine, or, or he yeah, seemed to have good numbers. Pro day that there were that it just wasn't great, like that it didn't look great in person. Um, but uh, you yeah, trade him back best tackle in the class so point blank well so you think they'll take Brissy then if they trade back no i absolutely absolutely not i said i oh i I, I wish that my Brissy uh dream would would manifest and and but i just i'm starting to starting to think that might not 
case. No, I, I think they'll trade back, and I think that they have a value chart, and I think they're going to take whoever the hell is at the top of their value chart and go. <laughs> so not necessarily Darnell Wright. Trade of losers in the third round. I mean, in the third day. So I, th- I think Ryan Poles might win some of us back. I think like the the buzz today is is JSN, and okay, that helps Fields. I get that, but. It also moves Mooney or Claypool to the number four receiver, which is pretty much, you know, unless there's an injury. Uh, well, it's a glorified cheerleader. You're going to watch most of the game. <laughs> um, and I think that there's tackles there. Like, I think Paris and Broderick Jones are going to interest them from the athletic standpoint. And I think that maybe, maybe that the, the Bears O-line hubris that I was talking about comes in and helps us and they see those two guys and they say man we can we can scout them up we can coach them up and these are going to be our top level guys because you know if you take if you take jsn you're moving one of your receivers right out of there so you either admitting the claypool thing was a disaster if he's your fourth wide receiver they're not doing that or they will let Mooney go first. They would. You, they would trade Mooney. They're not okay. Or you're play. or you're banishing Mooney to the bench, which I mean, the good player field seems to really like him. Would be weird to me. So I think I think they're going to take a tackle. I don't know if they're going to be able to trade down. I don't know if it's a strong enough draft at the top to generate that type of interest in pick nine. Um, maybe who knows? There's always teams, but like I'm not sure that they're going to get that offer. And I think they'll take Paris if he's there. I think Broderick will be the fallback. He's, to me, the more raw of the two in terms of pass protection. Uh, so a little bit more risk there if you want to start him week one. So I think he's going to win some of us back and take Paris. Because I, like Gus was saying, it's a long stretch to 53. So if you take JSN or Jalen Carter or another D lineman like Nolan Smith or whoever, that's a long run till 53. Like there's going to be roughly what five six seven offensive tackles that come off the board and on any given year before pick 53 and then you're then you're sitting there on draft night with your fingers crossed hoping jalen duncan or matt bergeron or one of those guys who i think can play falls to you at 53 and and that to me is a scary spot to be in if i'm a gm um and I need my offensive line to be better. I need my quarterback to be better this year. I think last year they went straight value because they knew they were going to be horrific, right? Like they knew they were going to be horrific. They thought they could protect fields obviously better than they did, but they knew they were going to be bad. I think this year they they need fields and the O-line to be better. Everyone is watching it and staring at it. He's getting asked questions at the owner's meeting about right tackle and the O-line. And like Gus said, 53 is a long way from nine. It's a, it's a long way. And if, if Jalen Duncan and Matt Bergeron aren't there and you're moving on to the next group. Free, Blake Freeland. Yeah. yeah that, and, that then, and then to me, you've got a du- double dip, right? If you're, if you're taking Blake Freeland at 61, you've got a double dip in round three or four and just get body. Like, I mean, bodies Darryl, even, even if they take a tackle with their first round pick, they should do that. I mean, they should, they need to bring oh, in as absolutely. much competition as possible. And people like to talk about the depth in this draft. And I don't necessarily know if I see the depth that everyone else does, but there's definitely a few options in round three or four. You're like, okay, 
this guy would not be bad to just sit for a year behind someone else and, and see what they got. But I don't really see the, the total depth that everyone else does at tackle outside of that first round. I don't think there is depth. There's not depth at tackle. I, I've seen people corner. say it, but, That's why but when I'm take a corner in the first, <laughs> but when I'm looking at it, I just, yeah, I, I don't see it like everyone else, but Sully, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. How, how are you feeling this draft is going to go? What do you think will happen? Uh, me? Um, yeah, I, I know you, I, and we talked about Skaronsky earlier, but I, oh, I want Skaronsky. I don't, I, right. I, I, I kind of th- think along the same lines as Daryl. I think they're going to take Paris Johnson, which I didn't realize how long 36 inch arms oh, are. I Three mean, feet, dude, I looked, I looked up all the best, <laughs> the top left tackles in the league, and they're like topping out at like 34, you know, like, but he's got 36 mm-hmm. and, a, and a half or something. I mean, that's 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 i'm not saying that that's every i mean if people are saying that skaronsky can't play tackle because his arms are too short like paris johnson's got just like he he'll keep you i mean that's that's pretty good that's a pretty good head start um so i i'm i'm thinking yeah it's either going to be johnson or uh uh or, or broderick jones um i could see him taking broderick jones um or a trade back i mean those are the top three i think Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, or trade back. I'd love to see Skaronsky. I think it should be. Like, I will argue that it should be, and I'll try to convince myself that that's what they're going to do. Um, but I don't know. I don't. Can I say one thing about tackle arm length for the Skaronsky lovers? And and maybe Gus will agree with this, but like, your tackle arm length gives you more margin for error, right? Like, right. Your longer reach just gives you more margin for error. If you have shorter arms, it doesn't mean you can't play offensive tackle. It just means your margin for error is is lower. You have less distance between you and the defender to recover yourself. So it'd be better. Yeah, it'd be better. If if you think Skaronsky, and there's a guy who I compare, my guy for Skaronsky, my comparison is Marshall Yanda, who was out of Hall of Famer, or probably a Hall of Famer for Baltimore, but like, at guard played tackle and when he played he was a hall of fame guard but he was a really good right tackle too because his technique is is perfect his technique and positioning and all that stuff is flawless like the problem is in the nfl that tackles get because you're going against guys who are so talented you're forced into making more mistakes and the longer guys survive their mistakes more than the shorter guys if you're shorter and you make a mistake you can't just reach out your vine arm and (laughs) and ride the guy by so I, I do, like, w- if they pick Skaronsky at nine, and I fully believe they're going to play him at left tackle, uh, I don't know why you would otherwise, and I don't think, and people will make fun of it, like, there's only been one, Joe Thomas is the only offensive tackle, sub this. I, I, I If we pick Skaronsky, I just want to see him at tackle, and I want to see him fail out there, and I don't think he will, but see him fail before we start playing the Tevin Jenkins musical <laughs> chairs. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely yeah, interesting. Do to consider with, you know, let's, let's table the trade back scenario for now. Let's just assume that they're, you know, they're handcuffed to nine. They have to make that pick at nine. I will say for the, the appealing part to, for Saransky, if you're, willing to concede positional flexibility, you know, being Ryan Poles. I mean, one thing Ryan Poles, above anything else, Ryan Poles needs this pick not to bust. He cannot have a Kevin White here. 
I mean, really, that just, you think about it, that that kind of sets you off on the wrong foot. I mean, it did with Ryan Pace. That just, all of your long-term plans, you know what I mean, are, are now misaligned. And it's a bad first impression, you know, for the fans and your bosses, ultimately. So, Skronsky, I think, would be appealing to him in that regard because I, I think your bust risk on Skronsky's relatively nothing. I think at very worst, you probably have a perennial pro bowler at guard, and at very best, you have Rashawn Slater. So, right. Which which also helps things, too. Like, if you bring in, you know, say a second or third round tackle, but you put Skaronsky next to him who can hold his own, and then maybe you also have a, you know, a center who, who's okay, well, then your, you know, your right or left tackle is going to be able to get more help because you have at least you know, Nate Davis and Skaronsky on your line who you would expect to hold their own. So you can afford help elsewhere if you need to. I could see Skaronsky starting at left tackle in 2023 and then kicking inside to guard in 2024 when they draft another left tackle or a different guy. If, if, if you think he'll be better there, like, he, I mean, Gus is right. You, you had the first overall pick. You need this guy to be good. Even if you're picking at nine, you need him to be good because he was or he used to be the first overall pick. So, yeah, I could see them going with with a safer option. I think it'll be Paris because he's built like that. He's that's a left tackle lab experiment, you know, based on measurables right. and athleticism like he fits you know, what they want to do perfectly. Yeah, and he and he's close to fields. If you watched his pro day, you saw Ryan Poles front and center with the googly eyes on. You know, like I think, I think that'll be. Uh, oh God, God, I hope it's him. <laughs> Actually, like, I'll take, I'll take Skaronsky, Broderick, Paris, Darnell. At the point we're at, I'll take any of those top guys and be ecstatic. Right. I, do, I would. Do you think Darnell moves uh, Braxton off of a tackle? Do you think, or they do they start? Right at right tackle, where he's. Oh, I think he'll start. go. I think he'll go to right tackle. He was better at right tackle than left yeah, tackle at Tennessee. Yeah, right. I think you'd be crazy to move him to left tackle, but I mean, okay. yeah, uh, I think would, Darnell Wright's the only guy that would keep in place and not move Braxton. The other guy, yeah, I think Braxton if you if right you draft tackle. Paris and Broderick, you have to move Braxton. I mean, they're just their upside is higher. They're all, probably already more polished. Like you have to move. I think. I think if it's Paris, Tevin, oh, I, I would love for White Hair and Patrick to get shot to the moon and someone else be there. <laughs> but I just don't see it. But if it's if it's Paris, they or Jenkins, one of those two check stealers, and then Davis and Braxton. I think that's probably the best we can hope for right now. I think, I think like realistically, maybe they draft a center around like three or four that that can compete. But I think that's the big can hope for. And I think that's a comp. Like if Paris is okay and Braxton makes the switch, I think that that's a competent O line with with right. some upside because Paris could be a legit left tackle, which changes everything. All right, Chris, I'm gonna. It's, it's your turn to shine here. I know you're not the biggest Skaronsky fan, or or just not a fan of taking a guard earlier but um who do you think we take at nine which what are you thinking uh handcuffed at nine i think it's paris johnson or, or you could trade back if you think they'll do that yeah that's i'll give i'll give both if it's handcuffed at nine i think it's paris if it's trade back i think it's trade back no lower than 
20, and I think Darnell Wright probably makes it there. Oh, I think Darnell Wright's going top 12, regardless if the Bears take him or not. And that's the thing. I, I would be afraid of them trying to get cute. And, and I'll say this, too, because I see a lot of this on Twitter. If you share that evaluation, that Darnell Wright is, and let's just say, on a similar level to Paris Johnson, then you pull the trigger at nine, nine or go pair, you know, either way. But, you know, if you have that kind of eval on right, it's not worth the extra fourth round pick. You know what I mean? To move back five spots and hope nobody gets a beat on that. <laughs> I'm not moving back for a fourth round pick. I mean, not, not, not to. It's going to have to be a second. Or, it's going to have to be a second yeah, somewhere. Min- min- minimum 50. second. Yeah, no. And, and, I mean, it's got to be worth it. And the, the, like to Daryl's point, I don't think the talent's there at the top of the draft unless one of two scenarios happens. The fourth quarterback is somehow there at nine and Washington gets desperate or somebody right there, you know, wants to move up. Or like Lucas was saying, if somebody's in love with JSN and they want to move to nine, that's the only two like elite talents I see people moving up for. I don't think the Bears are going to take JSN at nine, but fuck, I don't just, know. I just, I'm terror. I don't, the Packers, I know Jordan Love loves that guy. Just please don't let them draft him. Yeah, I would. I'm begging, I'm begging the Eagles. The please just go to the that. Eagles, JSN. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Sure. My gut tells me the Bears end up with, I don't know if they'll trade back or not, but I have a feeling they're going to draft Broderick Jones. I know people are wishy-washy on him i think he just has the highest upside and so i think we both talked about this before rick spielman is a big fan of broderick jones so uh yeah yeah rick spielman and he drafted christian derisaw i you know i just gotta go with recency bias here i I think that he identified that guy and said he had to have him he loves broderick jones above all else i mean i i do think uh paris is probably the better pass protector right off the bat Mm-hmm. By far. Oh yeah. Okay. But uh, we're probably all bullshit, and it's going to be Jalen Carter <laughs> yeah, or, or Tyree Wilson. If Jalen Carter is available, at least Jaylen, I, I would take him. I would at take least Jalen Carter is like you could legitimately tell me he's the best player available. Like we couldn't take an offensive tackle because the legitimate best player in the draft is here. Even though I mean the red flags are like, I mean it's like a parade of red flags yeah, behind yeah, him at yeah. least you could tell me that's the best player in the draft like you could sell me on that if you if tyree wilson you, if you're gonna take a swing on a big athletic not yet finished product, not super productive guy just give me broderick jones right, just right, give right. Me, like if you're taking a swing on athletic upside give me the guy who is gonna protect justin fields like i just I'll live with I'll live with the 61st pick being my pass rusher for a year. I don't care. I cannot watch 55 sacks again. No, I, I just can't. No. Seems like Vegas is uh, agreeing. I think they have the Bears at minus 175 to take an O lineman with their first pick. So I mean, it, but, sometimes it's just so obvious that it actually happens. You know what I mean? Like, like everyone. I mean, Ryan, knows. Ryan Poles even said it too in an interview. He was like, "Yeah, there's not much else on the free agent market. We're gonna have to look to a draft." So it's. Like, it's, like hopefully said, not the sixth and seventh round this time. Yeah, it's I, for all the for all the uh, all the talk about him building the offensive line through the draft with the parade of day three picks last year. 
I don't, I mean, none of those guys are going to make the roster this year outside of Braxton Jones. Like, I, I don't think any one of the other three. What about Carter? Maybe. Maybe Carter. I only say that because they kept him around on the active roster for a whole year. Like, but, like, but that's have, the 10th the alignment. Leatherwood over him. That is true. Oh my! God. Hey, I'm just happy we found one guy, and uh, hopefully we can. Uh, Listen, when you throw a bucket of day three early. picks at, at O line, and you find a guy that's pretty good, that's good. Yeah. And I get that people always say like, "Oh, look at the Eagles draft and develop." They've been doing it for 20 years, right? Like it, they, it, and it, the, since Andy Reid arrived. The big thing too about that is they have, uh, you know, Stoutland University there, who's the best offensive line well, coach, and in they the still league, draft and guys like, in the second round every year. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, oh, Jordan Malata, they got in the seventh round. The year before that, they picked a guy in the first round. It just happened to be, get beaten out. You can't, you can't start draft and develop, and, like, it takes years to get that running. So in the meantime, can we do what the Chiefs did? And, like, oh, our quarterback got killed. We're going to draft and sign a bunch of guys and trade for Orlando Brown. Well, well, well yeah, yeah, that shows honestly. that – it shows that philosophy – if you have the right drafting philosophy and you and you and you draft and you're drafting a line a lot, um, you don't have to be right about every single one of them. You can miss on an Andre Dillard, right? Um, so, and, it, and in 2025, you know, I'm hope I hope that's up and running. Right. So honestly, this is this is kind of good finishing point for me, just because I think this is where I stand on all this. But overall, I think the approach of if this is what he's trying to do of taking linemen every year and, and accumulating, trying to get 10 picks a year and, you know, taking a bunch of swings at linemen, I'm all for that. And I absolutely love that approach. And like you said, it takes time to kind of, it takes three or four years to get that into motion. And for us right now, it's like, what the fuck, this guy's getting killed and, and this guy's just taking a sweet time, but hopefully in, in a few years, this is in motion and this plan works out. But until then we can only hope for the draft and that we take some linemen and, and can become the uh you know the next eagles of building the trenches but uh we're about an hour and a half into this thing so we're going to wrap it up but uh solely daryl gus thank you guys so much for joining us tonight it was a awesome conversation awesome to have you and uh chris any final words no great to meet you guys um great to have you on it was a lot of fun uh look forward to continuing uh the disaster that is bears twitter over the next uh, six months <laughs> Yeah, love the show, guys. It's uh, keep keep doing work and let us know if you ever want us to come back on. Yeah, that, that was that, that was a lot of fun. And if we don't pick an alignment before pick sixty one, the <laughs> candle, I promise you, the candle will be back and it's saved in my photos. Yeah, if we're picking Blake Blake Freeland at sixty four and that's our big O line move, the candle will be back and the haters will have to deal with the candle. I'm gonna I'm gonna change mine to uh, the uh, what was the guy from Jaws who said who who sings the farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. Yeah, I'm gonna change the candle that. Candle is not copyrighted. Anyone can use it. Just steal it from my profile and put it up. People have there, done that. Yeah, I felt, oh yeah, it's, I, it's know, there. Yeah. For, it's there for like, everyone. Boy, that's not. That's not proprietary information uh, or logo. <laughs> Oh, gallows healer, right?
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.